There are many relationships that we have with Jesus Christ and with God the Father. And I'm going to, and it, they really go together, of course, as you know, but they are, um, there are two who are God, and they have the potential for making other gods because there's the Holy Spirit, and that's what they are. So we have some understanding of this and are always anxious to grow in it, but I'm talking about today the two relationships, pardon me, the many relationships we have with Jesus Christ and the fact that you can kind of put them together in two big categories. You can take one view of it where there are two categories. And this comes out in the Spring Holy Days, so I wanted to speak about that in particular. Um, <clears throat> I should explain about the title, Why a Bush, referring to Moses and the burning bush. And <clears throat> that was one of the two psalms I was going to use, was going to. Uh, what's the past something or other? Perfect tense or something. But um, <clears throat> we may get to that. Uh, and the reason is I've, I did cover some of this about Moses and the burning bush. It but it's, it turns out it's uh, better to do that as the second part of this. So I want to start out um, with Psalm 23. <clears throat> of the many relationships, the two categories that you can put them into um, is, first of all, uh, Christ is our Savior. And growing up, you know, if you're... Some people don't at all in a Hindu culture or something. But as Christians, you do hear about Christ and you hear about the Savior and the shepherd and the king and high priest. And depending on how much you've heard, you'd hear about all those things. But there are. But we first come to this personal relationship, <coughs> understanding that he is the Savior and you may be familiar with this, that in some cultures, um, if you save somebody's life, that person is just indebted to you. And uh, there have been a couple of movies I've seen a long time ago where an American saved somebody and then had this personal servant tagging around for the rest of their life and made it a funny movie and so on. Uh, especially if he was engaged to be married and the person he saved happened to be female. <laughs> that was one movie I remember. So, but the idea comes back from the, uh, the, the whole thing of if you save somebody, you own them. They would have died now. And that's absolutely true with God. So Christ owns us, having been our creator. And he was the one, God the Father is responsible and they work together, but it says Jesus Christ did it specifically. No person, nothing that was made was made by anybody else. He is the maker and creator. So um, of the two, he was the logos, the spokesman, the word that took action and, and uh, continues to, because he said, I do that which my father tells me. So <clears throat> the first one then <clears throat> is that he is the savior he owns us. He therefore is our king, our boss, and the title is Lord. That's the most common title for, uh, at least in English, uh, used in the Bible. And then the other one comes along, comes along later. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my high priest also and my king and all those things. But, but um, those are the two categories. First of all, the owner, uh, the savior, owner, lord, boss, director, and king. All those things that, because he has authority over us. And the second one is, is brought up in um, chapter 23 of Psalms. This is one that I, you know, we're very familiar with. And I did not memorize this until about two years ago. And I thought, you know, I never have memorized this, so I, I better do that. What I found is <laughs> I already had memorized it almost. Had to make a couple of things 
sure things were in order. So I, I imagine you also are very familiar with the 23rd Psalm. It turns out that rather than a love, just a lovely psalm and an ode to our Savior and our boss, there's a second point brought up, and it makes a whole big difference. So, the Lord, verse 1 of Psalm 23, is my shepherd. We've heard that many times. Starts out with the fact that Jesus Christ, who's talking about, is our Lord, Savior, owner, boss, director, all those things with authority. He's, he's our God. He's, he's a king. In Malachi it says, I am a great king, and so where is my honor to Israel? who is rebellious. So he is a great king and deigns to speak to each one of us. The Lord, and you can say for this purpose anyway, is also my shepherd. And that's a second relationship. That's different than with a savior, king, owner, lord, boss. The shepherd is your guide, your advocate, that is used of Jesus Christ, uh, your teacher, protector, my, my high tower, my rock, my salvation, David said. He's our advocate, uh, or parakletos, the one who goes along beside to help. That parakletos is a Greek name, and it says, um, it talks in, Jesus said in uh, chapter 14 and following um, of the book of John, he talked about, I'll, I'll send another helper or another assistant, or it's translated different ways, comfortors, King James. King James. And it simply means um, one who goes along beside help. That's the official meaning of that Greek word. And so this shepherd, tower, rock, protector, guide, teacher, advocate, parakletos, is a caretaker. He goes along to take care of us. We talk about being in God's hands, and we'll, just, and we'll use that scripture in just a minute. Uh, you probably know of the, uh, that really lovely poem called Footprints. He was walking along the beach. Anybody not know about it? Okay, I don't have to tell you. You know about it. <clears throat> two footprint, two sets. It was the Lord and him. And there were times where there was only one set. He figured they were his own. And he said, why did you leave me? Why did you abandon me? In distress. And the Lord said, that was when I had to carry you. <laughs> I didn't leave you. Very lovely poem. And it's, it's a, a true fact if it's not a, a, a quoting of scripture. <clears throat> We're in God's hands in two ways. Number one, he's the boss, just the almighty, and we should fear and respect him. But secondly, we're in his hands as far as just taking care of us. And uh, we have a great deal of uh, just comfort flows from that. Um, now, I'm going to skip the why a bush question, uh, question move to that. We may be able to get to, I don't think we'll be able to get to that today. Besides, we have a, we have a social, so we won't get to it. But um, I did cover that a couple of three years ago, so I expect that everybody remembers every word I said, right? So we don't need, but uh, really, it, in order, that's what we'll do. Cover that before Passover and several other things. Now, um, Let's go ahead and continue with this. I mean, we just read the first verse. So, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. <clears throat> That's the sheep. Uh, you know, if you're lying down in a green pasture and you're a sheep, you know what that means? You have just eaten to your food and you're feeling good. So you sit down and take a nap and relax like sheep are supposed to do and chew your cud and do all those sheep things. And then he says, he leads me beside still waters. Well, when you get up from your nap and chewing your cud and all that pleasant stuff, 
You don't want to have to go down to a rushing mountain stream and pick your way through the rocks. And, you know, you want a nice calm stream. And it's just a picture of tranquility, peace, that God is, is offering to us joy and peace. He restores my soul. So one thing that's very restorative is having a nice meal with plenty to drink and then take a nice nap. And that's what's just happened to you. So he restores my soul. But this is different than just your physical soul, your physical life. God restores us when we eat out of his pasture, which is God teaching us. It always goes back, it always goes back to study and prayer. If we, if we miss that, we're missing the food, that which brings restoration and comfort. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, it's, this is so important. It's hard not to say, you know, explain everything, but, uh, and, but I think you know that already anyway. He leads me in the path of righteousness, but for his name's sake, he wants to be known. It's really important. He wants us to know him. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, yea, though I am a human, and that's what we humans do, there are periods of time when we're in the shadow of death through that valley. And there's more to that, but this, this is normal stuff for humans. Uh, David, of course, had specific times when he was, you know, running from people with real swords and spears who wished him harm. And so... Uh, it's more dramatic, but we we have our own dramas in fighting through the the Christian calling. The valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. At this point, he's, this is the sheep has been talking, and just about how he or she is doing. But now this it switches, and he's talking to Jesus, to Jesus the Shepherd. Thou art with me. I won't fear any evil because you are with me. And your rod and staff, they comfort me. Uh, the rod and staff are two different things, two different functions, both of which protect and direct the sheep. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. When I think of that, I, a picture comes to mind. It's all filled in. It's kind of woody. It's not deep woods, but he's been going through the shadow of death down into the ravine. He comes into kind of a flat place, a meadow with light birch trees around it, birch and aspen. That's because that's why I experienced uh, plenty of times. And those were lovely places because you had a, a nice, nice little place for a picnic. So he go, he's going to a picnic that God has provided. But he's, there's one problem here. And it says, you have prepared me a table, but, it's, but uh, in front of me, in the presence of mine enemies. So I think of these, and I made up this story to teach it to children uh, and help them with the, the picture of what they were doing. And you go through it and you just memorize it real quick, even kids. And so what you do is, you, it's not just a meadow, but it's got light trees around it. And there are wolves around, and they're after you, because you're, you're a kid, and, or a person. But they don't dare come close to you. And then there, on the other hand, there are human enemies. And you can see them sneaking between tree to tree. So I made up the story. I see that. And I just have it memorized that way. But these people and these wolves mean you harm. But they don't come near you. They try to and they want to. But Christ has his... Um, because you're close to Christ, he has his staff, a shorter, blunter object that would knock a man or a wolf cuckoo. It's really hurt him. And the, the, uh, the uh, other is the shepherd's crook, you know. If you start wandering out and you're going towards an enemy, he'll reach over and put that hook around your neck and pull you right back in the way to go. And so it's, you know, it's a wonderful picture here. But you prepare a table... Uh, before me, uh, a meal, in the presence of my enemies. And that's the problem. But he's, he's protected, the sheep is. And now he's talking directly to Christ. 
And you anoint my head with oil that has, has to do with being chosen and showing that God has this personal relationship and he will never let you go, never forsake, never walk away. As soon as we turn, he will turn to us if he isn't already. And my cup runs over. And so <clears throat> it's a cup of water or a cup of wine or in the story it's chocolate milk. <laughs> because it's for kids. And, um, <clears throat> and it's so much that it's almost about, oops, it spilled over a little bit, you know. My cup runneth over. Yum, yum. Surely, and his conclusion here is, I'm totally protected and totally secure and totally filled with what I need. Not just food, but joy. Uh, speaking of turning to, to the spiritual, as Mark mentioned, Surely, here's, here's the conclusion, surely goodness and mercy. We want goodness always, and we need mercy. They will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, which means I will be in God's kingdom. That's his will, it's my will, it will happen. And he gives us that faith through obedience. Now this brings us back to the spring holy days. Um, <clears throat> where um, we have these two categories. First of all, we have the boss principle, you know, the savior, the owner, the king, the boss, who is the Lord. And Lord means boss. It's, it's uh, in, in the King James at that time. Lord is an English word, and it means the Lord of the manor, or the Lord of this parcel of ground that the king has granted to you. It was not a land of freedom where you could just go out and do what you wanted to. The land was taken up and there was a Lord over every part of it. So um, that's, that's the context. He is the Lord. With God, he is the Lord over every part of it. And, you know, he's just, we're owned. And... Uh, have to pay attention to him. So that's the one. And the other is the shepherd, the one who cares for the parakletos, the one who is our caretaker and our, our, our personal servant. So let's go over to chapter 10 of John and look at that because John adds that other side to it. We're getting into dangerous territory here. Because I never can see that clock and be positive of what it says. Okay, I'm just going to have to keep this out here. Not too dangerous, though. We don't have <clears throat> that much to do today. Okay, let's go to John 10, I said. And this is um, the subtitle, not in the Bible, but over the chapter 10, is The Good Shepherd. I call my own sheep by name and so on. I want to go down here <clears throat> to verse 11. Um, well, let's read verse 10, which is so important. The, the thief... No. Yes, verse 10. The thief comes not put, but to steal and kill and to destroy... But I am come that they might have life and that they might have, have it more abundantly. So 10b is what I was after. Uh, Christ came to give us abundant life. Jesus and the Father planned this out way before anything happened. Had it all planned. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And of course, Christ, I mean, that's just a direct fact of history that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. And <clears throat> so we have the other side of being owned and um, uh, having a ruler above us, uh, knowing that Christ is the Savior who owns us and is the King and so on. But here's another side uh, that Psalm 23 brings up. The Lord is my shepherd. And this is about the shepherd specifically. Christ followed up on this, and that has to do with our security um, and um, 
the um, and being the shepherd. So let's continue to read. I wanted to read um, verses 14 and 15. He speaks about the hireling, verse 12. And the hireling will flee because he's not concerned about the sheep. He's in it for himself. So Christ had very bad words for people. And we hear about this on the news. There is another church scandal or something. And, you know, there are shepherds that um, don't care. And uh, then he makes the comment here uh, about other sheep and another pasture, another flock, or another fold. Verse 17 then. Um, pardon me, I wanted to go to verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. <clears throat> As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So just reiterating that. And making the point in verse 17, Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. So this is something a, you know, a, a shepherd might do. I've, I've heard of this. We've heard of the captain going down with a ship and various other things where the leader of generally a military or some organized band uh, trying to protect the others is willing to give his own life uh, to protect the others. But for actual sheep, you wouldn't want a shepherd to do that. So this part is many spiritual. Although um, a couple of examples of David and I've, I've read of people saving the herd or saving the flock and just being so committed to it. Um, I know this one man was responsible for the herd. He was responsible to his boss and he'd given his word that he would keep them safe to the best of his ability. And he uh, actually gave his life as it were, but recovered. He was uh, injured badly. But um, most of the time you wouldn't do that in, for your animals. You would do everything but, but sometimes you might even go that far. But when the flock is people, Christ gave his life, and he calls on us to do the same thing, the very same thing. Um, and this is really important. This is a huge verse, 18. It says a lot about the whole, this is the, the relationship between Jesus and the Father that tells us the most about. Therefore, does my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again? And he said then, verse 18, no man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received my father. So there was a certain point at which one of the two, who were God in the beginning, you know, mentioned Genesis 1-1 and John 1-1, had a conversation, and we don't know why Jesus became the Logos, or the spokesman, um, and took that role, and the father took the role together if they were absolutely co-equal but they seemed it was presented that way there were two and then one became the son and at a certain point God said this day this is in Psalm 110 and also in the New Testament quoted in Luke this day have I begotten thee at a certain point Christ became the son and wasn't before and we had the baptism and, and <clears throat> there's a lot we don't know about but that, that was a certain point in history. And this point shows something that's absolutely necessary. This would have to be voluntary. Christ did that because he wanted to have children in the family as much as the father did. And so there, uh, even Christ is called a father <clears throat> in, um, oh, I can't remember the one I was thinking about, but also um, in Matthew, where it goes back to, it says, and Seth, whose, whose son was Adam, and Adam, pardon me, whose father was Adam, and uh, says, Adam, the son of God. So uh, Christ is also a father in the sense of creation, and then by uh, sharing the Holy Spirit, because they both do. So this is huge, and 
it's something I can just point out how important it is, the total, absolutely, uh, absolute devotion the Father has for the Son and the Son for the Father. Their whole arrangement that would change things that had been forever, you know, it's easy to think of forever in the future, just things don't end. How about forever in the past where things, that you never get to the beginning because there is none. It's something we can't actually do. But <clears throat> it had always been that way, and it was changed, and it was forever. It was Christ volunteering to do that. And so he is, along with the Father, totally devoted to the plan, which is us. So I read 17, and then let's skip over to 28. <clears throat> No, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them up out of my hand, which is a very interesting thing. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So, um, in... Um, in Psalm 23, we have a situation which is also referred to in Psalm 91, where we're in God's hands for care. And uh, specifically, we are in the hand, single, singular hand, of Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? Well, Psalm 91 shows that it means total security. Nothing can get to us. But uh, let's continue <clears throat> reading here. Uh, we have a situation being described here, which is one of, the, one of the benefits we have from Christ's sacrifice, and that is total security. <clears throat> and that's what we're talking about here. Verse 27 to 30. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And you've probably heard, um, I've heard uh, several sermons, read a couple of books, and given a couple of sermons myself on Psalm 23 from the viewpoint of a shepherd. There are several books that are really good studies, but there's one, uh, Psalm 23, in the eyes or through the eyes of a shepherd. And it points out that the sheep get to know your voice and they trust you. And you walk toward them, and, you know, they run away, but the more they know you, they don't, they just stand there because you're the shepherd and you're their boss and, and they're mainly their caretaker. And somebody else tries to call them, and they won't respond at all, except by running away or whatever. But the shepherd can come and calm them with his voice. I, I guess I've seen this, but not, not really that I could describe well. Um, <clears throat> they look like pretty unruly creatures to me, running around. <clears throat> but a good shepherd who knows the sheep well and takes care of them uh, and doesn't mistreat them, especially with the help of a good Australian shepherd, you know, dog, um, that, that helps a lot. Um, the, sheep, the sheep will just respond and cooperate with the shepherd. So it has to do a lot with the shepherd's concern and how he treats them. And you can get a sheep to move roughly or kindly, gently. So all those analogies apply. So my father who gave them to me, verse 29, just a minute. I skipped over verse 28. Uh, I know them and they follow me. And I gave, I give unto them, oh, one more point on that. You can have a big, uh, large gathering of sheep, several herds together, and the shepherds don't worry about keeping them apart so they won't lose them because they get done with their drinking at the water and then the, the uh, shepherd calls them, and each shepherd calls a sheep, and they will walk out to their own shepherd. Really pretty cool. It's, it's such a good uh, analogy that God gives, us to us, gives to us in calling us sheep. So um, and it talks about listening to him and responding to his voice. Verse 28, my sheep hear my voice. No, that's 27, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So this plucking out of the hand 
uh, comes up very quickly. Verse 29, my father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. So how can you be, how can you be in two hands at once that belong to different people? You know? And here is the answer in the next verse. I and my father are one. They work together in a spiritual way, um, in ways that we don't, we don't grasp. They are one. We have some idea of that with very, very close relationships. But this goes beyond what we as, as humans experience. So <clears throat> there is a, I mean, there's a multitude of scriptures that we go to. And I would like to turn to 1 Peter 1, verse 4. Maybe the first four verses. there in a moment. Here we are in 1 Peter 1, um, verse 2. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Um, He was talking about himself. He was um, through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience. That's what Peter is saying he was called to. And the sprinkling of blood, of the, of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied, verse 3. So he starts out showing that this Psalm 23, John 10 uh, relationship. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, bringing up several major doctrines in just one sentence. And then here's what so many people lean on and think of, including me, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled. It can't be corrupted. It can't be made sour. It can't be interrupted because of two things. It says, And that fades not away. We could let it fade away, but if we want it, it won't fade. We have a guaranteed incorruptible inheritance that fades not away and is reserved in heaven for you. So if you have a large amount of money or maybe a very expensive jewel or necklace or something, and you have it reserved in the Wells Fargo bank downstairs, you know, in the vaults. Um, it's pretty safe <laughs> for a time. But uh, empires, all empires have fallen. And uh, the whole world is going to fall before Christ comes. That's not really safe, but if you have it reserved in heaven, it's just there, absolutely, never to, be, never to go away. So that's pretty great scripture, I think. There are others to go with it, but <clears throat> that makes the point. Um, and so John 10 then actually expands Psalm 23. And there, there are others, other uh, scriptures that refer to the other Psalms that refer to that too. But the idea of being um, a sheep in the flock of God. Psalm 23 is basically one sheep uh, in his experience talking about the great comfort and the benefits that he gets and the things, things that we gain, this is what's in it for us. Now, John, John 10, actually they both do, but there's, there's another side to it that's brought out by John. That is, this is the shepherd's personal purpose. And it shows that he's in there to give us security, protect us, and he's the one, along with the Father, who has reserved this in heaven. So... It's, uh, as one man put it, maximum security. And I read one commentary that said, Jesus Christ has already put you in his hand, and there you are, his hand under you, and then God comes over and protects the whole thing. So you absolutely, by two, um, the, most, the two most strong entities in the entire universe, co-creators, you're safe. You're covered by the Father's hand and you're cupped in, the, in Jesus' hand. He, let's put it that way, 
It doesn't say. It says we are in both of their hands. So here is a point that getting back to the original thing I mentioned about being there being two basic um, relationships we have with Christ. It's uh, actually one, but there are different aspects to it. And um, one is, the Lord is my shepherd. We just quoted that out of Psalm 23. And then this particular commentary caught my eye because I had never, I don't think I've ever seen it in any of the commentary. He says, but the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, He says that. He said, but also we should be able to say the shepherd is my Lord. So I read that and I said, what's he talking about? You know, the same person. But this this, uh, commentary did bring out a good point. And that is that, um, and then I, I just applied it to the to Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. So <clears throat> I'd like to then go to Luke chapter 2 and consider the overall purpose for the, these relationships that we have with Jesus Christ. And there are many, um, but uh, in seemingly two, uh, two categories. So let's go to Luke chapter 2. And long chapter. It happens in this Bible. I've marked it so much. Sometimes I miss the chapter break. There it is. <clears throat> okay, this is a very famous scripture. I'll just read it to you. The angel, verse 10, said unto the shepherds, Fear not, don't be afraid. And that's repeated many times in the Bible. For behold, I bring you good tidings of, and here's, here's, what, here's what the whole purpose of the whole thing is for of great joy, which shall be to all people. This is the reason God created people. He wanted to bring us great joy, that is life more abundantly, as we read in John 10. He says, so for, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So it is, it talks about the Savior and then Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped up in swaddling clothes and so on. So you have uh, two more statements, the Savior and the Lord. And this time they are complementary there, whereas the other one was in Psalm 23 and 10 mentioned the shepherd and the Lord. And there is quite a bit of overlapping, but these two basic, um, let's say, functions remain. Um, and that is that one is that Christ is our king and our boss, our owner, and so on, and we should had better obey him. And the other is he's our caretaker and Paracletos. Um, this is something I've thought a lot about. Many people say this, millions in fact. We can read this. And I've noticed in my own life, perhaps you have in your own life, that We'll read this and we believe it without, you know, without interruption. We always believe it. Um, looking around, sometimes you say, well, I, I don't have very much joy, though. You know, the Lord is my shepherd and my shepherd, my caretaker is my boss, my Lord, my king. And Luke 2 says the whole purpose of this deal was to bring us great joy. And so... I, I won't take a, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm quite sure that I have everybody here, including me, saying there are times when I don't have very much joy. <laughs> Try to minimize that, and then I'll go along for a while and say, "Well, what's going wrong? I'm kind of, I'm not as excited." And I've got to, th- I've gotten to thinking about the problems and 
and so on. The stresses, the distress, uh, fears, failure, that I come up with my shortcoming, uh, my many shortcomings, focusing on that rather than the positive. And so an old lesson, very, very common, but that is the purpose of all this. Um, Psalm 23 mainly talks about the things that we get, that we gain, the benefits that God provides us. But sometimes, and if, if you don't get both of these, that Christ is the Savior and the caretaker, but also the boss and the one we have to obey, he's the one that has everything we want. If you don't have that in balance, then I, I know of people who have said essentially to me, um, I, I, I don't really have, I'm not having too much of a green pasture experience in my life, you know. Uh, not very much restoration. I've kind of been pulling the load for a while here, maybe a long while, along here. But my cup hasn't run over in a long time. If you look at this, go back and analyze it, and something is wrong with your in how you are perceiving Christ, because we have these two two big uh, categories, and as I say, there's a lot of overlapping and so on. But it's worth us thinking about how important it is for us and how much he requires us to obey. And the fact that we mess up and he forgives us and helps us and encourages us. Um, both of those are going on. Sometimes they're kind of together, but sometimes they're at different times. Uh, situations where they don't happen together. So... Um, The key is to focus on both of those, Christ as our Lord and boss, and have a, have a fear of God, of disobeying God. I would fear to do that. You, probably people you would fear to cross, like your mate, or a co-worker, or a neighbor, or somebody in your family. You, the thought of really getting into a row with somebody that you love and care for or that's important, like your boss or somebody, there, there's a fear there and there's a proper fear or respect there. And we should have that with Christ. Some people and different religions tend to uh, f focus on those two facts, whole religions. Um, they're religions I've talked with people who are just so fearful of everything and they want to make sure that they're repentant and so they go into self-loathing and say, oh, what a rotten bum I am and how many... And that's, what they, that's mainly how they see themselves. And so they're focusing on that negative. It doesn't help them to have joy. And then there are other people that um, don't seem to have that, but other churches that emphasize, emphasize just the blessings. And a lot of times it involves money. You might have noticed the prosperity gospel, it's called. And uh, they're just saying, do this and God will prosper you. And, and you look at those messages and they're looking at physical blessings like they were as important as spiritual blessings. So you have whole religions that emphasize one or the other, the two relationships with Christ. That is, he's our great God and king and demands that we pay attention and obey. And the other one is that he's our great savior and our, uh, our caretaker, and he is extremely merciful. If you get those in balance, your joy quotient is going to go way up. Because, in fact, when you are sloughing off and you know you are and you're not doing, living up to what you should, that um, uh, creates guilt, and it, it causes you to forget we try to remember, it causes you to forget the uh, mercy of God. Why? Your conscience is bothering you. So you get those two in balance, look at both of them, study both of them, and just plain read the Bible. You know, uh, Then what you, can, what you can come to is a balanced view of Jesus Christ, and that changes everything. It really does change everything. Um, the outcome of the relationship if it's balanced, it's going to be right. Now, I want to, I want to point out that um, 
these two, well, first of all, let's just consider, why do people sometimes um, just concentrate on the one, because it's common enough, concentrate on how much, how, how good God is to us, and along with that slide away from the other, the requirement to be, you know, to be diligent. Um, a few reasons you can think of. Uh, first of all, ignorance. People don't know. But if you are a studier of the Bible, and you know, and you slack off, and you're not reading the Bible, it doesn't, it, we should read everything. But if you're reading the living word, God is going to be with you and supporting a balanced attitude and bringing you peace. And <clears throat> which is the whole purpose for the gospel in one view. But if you're sloughing off, you're going to be ill at ease and your relationship with Christ isn't going to be strong environment, uh, uh, strong and um, what was that word I was going to say? Uh, robust. It's just going to be strong. And you'll have both things in balance. There's going to be some results for this. You're going to bring glory to God. That's what it said in Luke. So there is this bringing light to the Gentiles in Luke 2. And the, um, let's just go back and read it. I'm right here. Uh, Fear not, for I bring you uh, good tidings of great joy, um, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born, um, having trouble reading this, it's too far away. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ Jesus the Lord. So it mentions both even in those verses. Great joy comes then from this. If we do have a balanced view of Christ as our Lord as our, our Lord and boss, I'm going to say, and as our, our shepherd and caretaker, then there are going, there's going to bring, uh, this joy is going to happen. That's what's going to be the result of it. And we will have peace, joy and peace come together. And in our own minds and hearts, we'll have peace. That's, that's what he predicts here. That's the prophecy. Luke uh, 2.10. And there's going to be a third thing, and that is there's going to be a radiation of ourselves, what we're thinking, an outflow that, other, that affects other people and um, is, very positive, is, is very positive, and we'll be doing, uh, we'll recognize the fact we're doing God's work and benefiting others as God does, and we're on the right track. Uh, there are some impoverished Christians. I, I read this in a commentary too. There are impoverished Christians who know Jesus Christ as the Savior and owner and boss only, but um, don't really know Jesus Christ. The full relationship isn't there. And so there are some but and do that. There are some that don't know that as strongly, emphasize the other, and you just have to have the balance. Um, this takes diligence. You think, why, why don't people further their relationship with Jesus? Or you think, why don't I, better than I do? Um, ignorance, I don't really think that applies to us, except that we can know, and if you get away from it, you start to forget. You don't emphasize it and keep it new, then you'll forget it. But, um, Generally, it costs too much. It's uh, too lazy. You know, laziness works in there. And it's too hard to really push yourself over the next uncomfortable threshold. Easy to get distracted. And to know him as the Lord. And um, that is our boss and director. He's our guide and he's our protector and all that. Uh, and our caretaker, and all those things. But he's also the boss. Well, those are the two things. They roughly, they, they correspond to the Passover and unleavened bread. And um, so I'd like to close with that, because we're preparing for Passover now. 
our attitude of, of with Jesus Christ as our Savior and our boss and the one who is merciful, and we go over that in, in Passover, uh, our relationship is not due to our effort. It's, it's due to uh, the, the work of Jesus Christ and God the Father who are bringing us along. And so um, that's the Passover. You get into the days of unleavened bread and they immediately follow. And what, are they, what do they show? That shows we have to obey Christ. And that has to be a main uh, lesson in our mind that we, <clears throat> that we um, are responsible to obey. We can slack off and that's what's not allowable. 1 Corinthians um, 6 talks about this too. I think we won't cover that this time, but wait for next. But expounds even on Luke 2. And so it says there should be joy, and, and we should give joy to others. I, I think maybe I will just wait to spend the time on that till next time. It's a two-parter. And so I'll just leave it at that. The two, the two big relationships we have with Jesus Christ, um, the Savior, the owner, and our great king and our boss— on the one hand, and then the shepherd, the caretaker, that whether we live up to it or not, he's there to take care of us. Those two together are just a complete description. And it's interesting that those two relationships with Christ are just are just expounded by or, let's say, correspond to the Passover and unleavened bread. So that's what God has called us to, one of absolute, complete mercy to the point of just Total, um, total protection, and another word I can't think of. Um, won't quite come, but just uh, a complete safety, and that's Passover. We just have that, and the other is this important and vital part that we have to be obeying and actively moving along and growing with Christ. So if you have those two, you have the general idea and the basic idea of Passover and the days of unleavened bread, and that's why, and we need to review that often, and that's why God causes us to review um, by keeping the holy days every, every year. Now, that's the end of part one. <laughs> The part two is the, actually why why the bush, you know why did God need a bush to to make Himself known to to uh, to Moses and um, <clears throat> why couldn't He have just appeared as light? He did later, but he, first He started the light in the bush. The bush was important too, and and we'll bring that back together next time. Okay, let us have music, maybe not dancing, but uh, prayer and then and then we'll have the have the meal.